Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. That's gonna make the big difference between winning and losing! Welcome into 11 Personnel. It's UK Pro Day. I'm Nick Roush. He's Adam Luckett, and we're here to talk about it all, the latest in spring practice and everything else around college football in the last week or so. Uh, Luckett, it's, uh, it's a weird pro day. It's weird not being there. I like uh, I like just seeing all the folks and kind of uh, yucking it up a little bit, you know? Just football people, just yucking it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're still that- waiting... Does it get more f- day? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's the ultimate. Well, because, like, not only do you get a bunch of dudes who just – that's their jobs is just go around and watch football and, like, time kids exercising and stuff, but then you just got a bunch of – it really is just a, a ton of football guys. And then the players, they've worked really hard, but focusing on doing drills isn't the same as focusing on a play. So they can kind of – you know, when they're over, when they're not doing stuff, they can kind of just relax and hang out. So, uh, yeah, Stink's not being there, but they'll be they'll be chopping it up here shortly. Uh, Jamin Davis is obviously the star of the show. Dude is uh, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. He's 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 flown up draft boards, and despite that, he's still going to do all of the tests today. Right, hundred percent participation today. So he's really trying to grow that more. Uh, he's going to have a lot of eyes on him today. Um, that's probably going to be um, news pub from that if he has posted some good numbers, which everybody's posting monster numbers at these pro days. God, everybody. Did you see this morning LSU ran in all three of the receivers? So it was Chase, Terrace Marshall, and one other that's escaping me. And we're starting right now, it looks like the string. Um, but all those guys ran four, three, eights. <laughs> so, so you're telling me they're equally fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I and and the thing is, um, behind the scenes, every person has a stopwatch. And so normally what they'll do is they'll basically compare like two or three guys' numbers and then just use the average of that. But yeah. that's not the numbers we get. The numbers we get are from UK media relations and they're just kind of blasted out and they almost always yeah, well, blast out the yeah, best. That's what everybody's doing. It's not just like a UK thing. Yeah, yeah, everybody's doing that. And everybody needs to know that starting next weekend, the world's best professional women's soccer players, they're going to be playing in our state. Racing Louisville FC kicks off its NWSL era. When next weekend, Racing will host the Orlando Pride at 7 p.m. That's Saturday, April 10th, as part of NWSL's Challenge Cup, a tournament leading up to the regular season starting in mid-May. As with the Pro Men's Club, Louisville City FC, Racing calls home the sparkling new Lynn Family Stadium. It's just east of downtown in Butchertown. It, you can see it from the expressway on I-64. It's a beautiful place. If you haven't been yet, this is the perfect chance to not only see a wonderful venue, but also the world's best women's soccer league. Household names like Megan Rapino, Alex Morgan, and Carly Lloyd, they're all coming to Louisville, starting with Morgan's Orlando Pride. And here's the thing, too. We got our own World Cup player. Yugi Nagasoto is repping R- Racing Louisville all season long. And right now, 
If you go get tickets at RacingLooFC.com, that's RacingLooFC.com. Use that promo code KSR, and you'll get discounted tickets. That's right. The $20 tickets, they're even at a deeper, steeper discount to all of our listeners. So go out there today. Check out some world-class soccer. Actually, let's call it football. World-class football this spring and summer with Racing Louisville. RacingLooFC.com, promo code KSR. Um, we got Cash with a mustache on uh, the set with uh, Dick Gabriel. So I'm sure there will be some insightful commentary there. I like the enormous banner that they just hang up for this event. It's like the one <laughs> event they have it for. I don't, I don't know if they pull it off the stadium or what, but it does look pretty cool just surrounding the entire indoor facility. Which I guess, hell, is Nutter the, doing the vertical? Yeah, is, is Nutter the only thing that's not uh, – sponsored by joe craft yeah it, yeah it may be it was before uh joe craft's time that nutter that where was it kentucky one of the first ones to have that indoor yeah yeah indoor it, practice facility yeah it was pretty uh ahead of its time um but like everything you know it goes out of style hell the the original nutter training facility the one that's on alumni that was state yeah. of the art back in freddie's right. day um right. you know so you know, I, I'm. Uh, that was the football facility before they actually had a football facility. Everything was in there, wasn't it? All the offices and stuff. Yeah, offices, white room. They even had a meeting room. Um, I think that meeting room actually got put in once they moved the white room. Um, but uh, yeah, and it was kind of cool too because they had this really old uh, wildcat, like stained glass thing. That was part of it, and I just I always thought that was neat, covering the team back in the day, trophy room, all that good stuff. But <laughs> they've since upgraded. They've upgraded a lot of things. One thing I did want to mention, too, about Pro Day numbers, too, I love that everybody's just like, Justin Fields had a monster workout, and it's like... uh, uh Jamie Davis just got up on that vertical. Yeah. But, yeah, Fields, the Pro, uh, the pro Day quarterbacks... They're those workouts that people overreact so much to them. Um, Mac Jones missed two throws yesterday, and people were freaking out on the internet. And like, it's a controlled workout, so like, like they, these guys should be should be balling out. And they, they're throwing to guys they've thrown to for the last you know three four years. Yeah, and it's against air. Like, I don't know. It's just it, it's the part of the draft thing that's fun because we can hyper. Uh, yeah. analyze everything you know uh and that's what we love and it's to on do. tv now they've publicized it so much yeah right but like i, expected... I remember when johnny football did his he he came out and uh helmet and shoulder pads oh yeah and, his, wanted... and, that, and then <laughs> that everybody was, was like everybody was oh my goodness he got, had so much zip on the ball i mean jamin oh, just jumped that. so high they had to move up the, the yeah that's what it looked like to me that he like basically cleared the rack so they had to move it up for him so he could jump higher <laughs> he's a freak man that's hilarious um but in, in it's my thing too is like i the scouts we've always known that justin fields was a great athlete his knocks was that he sucked in two out of the three big games he played in this year right he was t he was not good against indiana and he was not good in that championship game. In the Clemson game, he played like a uh, bat out of hell. But aside from that, he just wasn't superstar in that game. 
Yeah, but like that, the yeah. inconsistency, that's the problem. It's not his athleticism. Like that, that's obvious. Same thing. Like we aren't going to be wild away with Mac Jones' athleticism. I was wild away about, oh my God, he almost cleared another ride. Jesus. But uh, yeah, Jamin's jumping. You're going to get a lot of that in this podcast, folks. That's what's going to make this fun. But like, Wayne and Dickerson watching him do cartwheels like that guy he's going up my board the other center who I love Drake Jackson my next favorite center in the draft is the dude from the d3 guy uh from I think it's Wisconsin Whitewater maybe and yeah he's just, yeah he's got a weird the name. belly out he's like right. six foot even he's never played center before so to practice snapping Andy Staples had a video of him like it reminded me of this fair game where you're throwing a ball at like a bottle and you're trying to like knock it off. He was basically doing that as a center, like except with snaps. So that was, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm thoroughly entertained by that guy. I wish I could remember his name. Yeah. He's going to come off the board in the second round. It's it's Quinn. And then it starts with an M. Um, I was going to say manure, but that's not, <laughs> it's like Minersis. It's like, it's such a Wisconsin name. Right, right, right. But yeah, he, it sounded like, like he'd show, he was a guy that just showed up at the senior bowl because he didn't play last year. People were thinking like, you know, six round pick or something. Mm-hmm. And by all accounts, he just, he would kick major butt there in Mobile. And now he's going to be a second round pick. Awesome. Awesome. Drake Jackson, he Bain, was down at the senior Bain bowl. up next. As well, he uh, he said he sprained his AC joint. The uh, guy who runs that gym, Nagy, he uh, mm-hmm. when he shared that story about, he said something about like uh, Drake popping his arm out, but still refusing to come out. Drake downplayed it. I really wanted him to yuck it up, but Drake's not going to be that kind of guy. Uh, he said he had to miss a month, but kept playing through it because he's like, you know, not many people get this opportunity. So uh, that served him well. I'm curious, like it. I mean, we're obviously going to get into it more as the draft draws closer, and after today, we'll get a better picture of uh, of where people stand. But are we right around like five, six guys getting picked? Yeah, I think right now we're looking at obviously Jamie Davis probably day one, mm-hmm. Kelvin Joseph day two. Mm-hmm. I mean, then day three is where all the action is going to be. When you look at um, I think Eccles and Bohanna are both going to get picked. I think Duffy's going to get picked. Mm-hmm. So that gets us to five. And Drake Jackson is going to get picked. I think we they have six right now. Drake, or excuse me, Max Duffy, he could become the first player ever drafted in the Australian Rules Football League and the National Football League. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of funny how he kind of – And then – He's like, you know, I kind of uh, – It's like it was a real big deal when I was 21 and 22 getting drafted. And he's like, now I realize, like, that's not the – there's a lot more to go still, you know. And then today, I think the it's probably big for two guys specifically. I think Boogie Watson and Landon Young, if they put up some numbers today, um, maybe they could get a team um, to fall in love with them, similar to Georgia South OJ, mm-hmm. or they could go off in the seventh. But when you when you talk about Eccles and Bohanna, um, Drake, I think you're looking at fifth, sixth, maybe seventh round. Um, for those guys and then Duffy's going to go somewhere um randomly. punters usually you they go off randomly for teams mm-hmm. um it could happen in the fifth it could happen you know in the seventh but I feel pretty comfortable that somebody's going to pick him up yeah and so for boogies in boogies case he's got the versatility thing really going for him um, right 
you know, I thought it was a good sign yesterday saying that other teams have looked at him um, in a different spot. Um, that tells me, um, like, he's a player that an NFL team can be like, okay, we can get him on here. He can play special teams, um, but he can potentially play multiple positions for us. So that would bring um, heavy value in a 53-man roster. Yeah, yeah. Like, back up to multiple spots. Right, right. Somebody gets hurt, we can put him at two different places and man, nice jump at Eccles. Um, so that you're exactly right on that. And that goes back to what Wolford said in his opening kind of press conference for UK talking about only having what seven dudes or, you know, right. He's like, you got to know a little bit of everything. And at linebacker where so many dudes are getting shoulder injuries here and there. Yeah. He even has tape coming in off a week of practice, making a goal line stand as a Michael linebacker, not right. playing that position right. all year. So that's, he's got that going for him. The thing that Landon has working against him is that he doesn't have a ton of pass pro film, uh, but he can almost use that as advantage. Like, I'm actually better at that than you think. And if he can just show off some lateral quickness in the shuttles today, then I, I think that can go a long way for him. Yeah, that's why I asked him yesterday at guard, because he has that power where he could, yeah, I think, slide inside and be kind of a, for a power or inside zone team, be, mm-hmm. be, a, be a guard for them. But then positional value, like you said, if he could, that's why I asked if he could play guard because if he does guard, then the team could be like, okay, he can be kind of our swing guy here on the interior, um, guard or tackle. I like that Phil just smacked the absolute hell out of that. Yeah, <laughs> the the little vertical. Did you all did you six. all do these at the cells? You know, I think we had like I want to say that my before my senior year we got one of these vertical things. And it was kind of a big deal. And it was fun. Uh-huh. To, it was fun to do all these workouts. You know, I got timed right. at a four, seven, nine or something like that. Um, but it was always great because there was there was one coach who was always two tenths of a second faster than the other coach. And uh, you're obviously not paying attention to the other guy. He was just thinking you were slow. So, um, but those, it, 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 it's fun to go through them. I can't imagine the amount of times that they've done this. That that would be practicing, right? Yeah, and now um, it might have been T.J. Carter. I forget who talked about. No, it was probably Landon. How these things normally are broken up a little bit more to where it's you do combine in February, then you do pro day in March, and it kind of breaks up the monotony a little bit. And yeah, they've just been spending you know three months or so. Doing the same, yeah, that would just that would drive me insane after a while. Yeah, um, getting into other stuff, Nick. I don't know if you saw this, it's not something we talked about before, but Chad Morris has been hired. Oh, but it's as a high school head coach. Oh, going back to his roots, he's going back to Texas. Allen, I think it's at that Allen school. You've seen, yeah, you've seen the pictures, It's it's the one with a ridiculous stadium. Um, but yeah, he's going back to high school. That was like Baker and I'm pretty sure Baker Mayfield, like Colt McCoy, they went to Allen High School, right? Baker went to, he was from Austin. He went to Lake Travis. Oh, Lake I Travis. Think. I mean, I'm getting my, there's, right. Well, I'm getting West, my enormous Texas schools mixed you're thinking, up. I think what you're thinking of is Westlake, which is in Austin, which had Drew Brees, Nick Foles, Ellinger went there, and a few others. That's um, become a powerhouse. For, for quarterbacks but yeah Allen's one of the bigger ones um 
I'm sure we could. I'm sure there's some people we know that went there. But yeah, Chad Morris is going to be high school football coach. Oh man. Um, also, it would be a bad look if Max Duffy couldn't jump out, right? Like you're a punter, you're supposed to have a big leg. Come on. Is yeah, maybe. How do we <laughs> think? Uh, I like to get get some film of Sebastian Janikowski going through his pro day. You have a cigarette in his mouth during it. <laughs> yeah. God, that guy is he he he's gotta be just kicking balls somewhere, right? Like I I imagine Sebastian Janikowski being a traveling uh exhibitionist to where he goes like county fairs and just kicks balls. Like, I want to see how far I can kick a, I'll show yeah. you how far I can kick a football. Yeah. That strikes me as his uh retirement plan. Um although instead of instead of the long drive competitions. He's just in like the kick a ball really far competitions. Man, I hope I don't get any question asking competitions with you because you're just asking all the good questions now. Look, it. I'm like on the hot seat over yeah. here. Yesterday <laughs> during Tuesday's workouts um, with or Tuesday's interviews with Liam Cohen, I couldn't tell you how many. Every time Luck could ask a question, man, that's a good question. Uh, and then you, he'd kind of go into more detail. Dude, you and Cohen are becoming pals, man. What the hell? Yeah. Just two football minds getting together and talking shop. But uh, I, I will say this about Liam. He does give some really good answers, I mm-hmm. think. Um, now, that could change over time once, uh, you know, you kind of go through through this whole process. Well, and you tighten it up when it gets closer yeah. to games, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, he does, and I think Brad White as well. I think from a, media's pers- pers- from a media place where we sit, as you see Wolford on TV right now, um, we uh we were pretty fortunate to have two guys like that. I think that they give real um smart, calculated answers. Um, especially when you ask some scheme stuff, I think they do a good job explaining it. And they're 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 I think they get excited when you ask stuff like that because that's that's their specialty. Well, and they don't give the snappy quotes like like Benny Snell didn't ever say anything very insightful, but it was fun. Right, right. Mm-hmm. They they give like long winded, pretty insightful responses, and I I enjoy like the kind of nuance behind it all. Um, like Brad White's big cup that you had a lot of fun blogging about. <laughs> yeah, it's in my comparison was the seniors they can drink out of the big cup. Yeah, they can they can take four fingers of Old Forester no problem, but you try to give that to underclassmen all of a sudden they're hammered and they're stammering <laughs> all over the place and you need the upperclassmen to carry them home. And that's kind of the balance that I think each side, or at least uh, on the defensive side where you've got a lot of experience, that's the balance that Brad White's kind of having to deal with, with a lot of experienced safeties, but you're, you're wet behind the ears on the edge and kind of in the interior. So it's a fun little balancing act. And I, I like too, that they, uh, it, it strikes me as like whenever we would hear about one side being better than the other side in practice, like it, it would always seem to come back to just like, I would almost chalk it up to, it was just that day was being better. Now it seems like it's more of a, this guy ran better stuff that day, or they called better. Like they, they, they were ready for their shots and they were more better prepared on what the defense called that day. It, it just seems a lot more calculated than previously. Maybe that's just because of the way that these guys are talking, 
Um, but nevertheless, it does make this much more exciting to discuss. I think, yeah. I think it, NFL background has a lot to do with it, too. They just come from a different, different I, guess, I think, structure. Yeah. Know, where there's, just, I guess, more freedom or whatnot. But, yeah, I think – I think there's we're getting some good stuff here this spring um, from those guys, um, and it's needed because we can't really go to anything. Like at the pro day, what would you be doing right now here, Nick? They're doing the vertical jumps. We got behind them. You've got coaches, um, other staff members. You see NFL personnel people sprinkled in. So I would probably be off in the corner. Uh, you know, I would probably. Uh, they'll usually have a lot of the other teammates show up. So I'd probably be talking to them, maybe chatting up a little bit with them. And, oh, what, what kind of score we got here? And the thing is from a lot of those little conversations, you get stuff. Like there was a guy who, uh, Oh, you, you remember Mike Douglas. He was a pretty good football yeah. player for us. And in one pro day, we were just talking ball. And I was like, so like, you know, Stoops stuff pretty well. What do you think about his defense? He's like, dude, he's like, Compared to – I brought up Rick Menner. He was like, dude, compared to Rick Menner. He's like, Rick Menner, he's like, I'm a smart guy. He's like, but I I could not figure out his playbook was bigger than the offense's playbook. Avery Menner, Williamson, yeah. a dude who's been in the NFL for a long time, he couldn't even figure it out, and he was supposed to be the one calling plays. Like, So you, you get some kind of fun anecdotes, stories along those lines. You also kind of hear, you know – how so-and-so has been doing and practice maybe in some of these conversations. And that was one nugget I wanted to get into yesterday that Cohen affirmed publicly. Kaya Sharon might be the real deal. Adam. Yeah. And I don't think any of us anticipated that. Yeah. As a, a chargers guy just came up and talked to Landon young. So maybe we need to make a mental note of that. Looks like oh. he's watching closely. I love doing that too. Ooh, um, yeah. Sharon, it seems like is exceeding expectations. Which is, which is a little bit of a surprise. Uh, um, now, Sharon did have like his junior tape was pretty good. Senior year, he got hurt. I don't think he only played a handful of games. He didn't play in the playoffs, I don't believe. Um, and he, I mean, Sharon was a guy who threw off launch point a lot, moved around, mm-hmm. showed um, the ability to stretch the field vertically. Um, so there were some tools there, but yeah, it seems like. They're really liking what they they're seeing from that young cat. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things that you hear. I couldn't tell you how many times I've heard some you know people talking about ex young player, and I I, I want to wait until I hear it again and again and again before I finally share it because like how many times does somebody make a big play in practice and you say oh my god like um, remember Mahone Mahoney the like. Uh, the kid from Cincinnati who was a walk-on yeah. running yeah. back, dude was uh, he was awesome in practice, but he was never going to play. He would do some crazy stuff, but I'm not going to like I'm not going to share that because what what does it matter? But in some instances, it ends up coming to fruition. And the sharing stuff, not only the way that Cohen talked about him, but the fact that the kid actually has a big arm in that uh, an athlete, he, and he's a cool customer. I think mm-hmm. it's really important because with quarterbacks, between the years is. Big arm, big brain. That's what you need as a quarterback. <laughs> Those two things are incredibly important. So the fact that he's already like Cohen already likes what he sees. Shout out to Darren Henshaw for for giving him something to work with. So, well, thank you, thank you, sir. 
Yeah, I mean, they're, they're talking up the quarterbacks, uh, which I think is kind of expected. You don't want to get in here and talk down about them, you know, in spring. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're hyping them up. So we'll see. But I, it's definitely better than the alternative for sure. Yeah, and the thing – what encourages me about Sharon too is that it's nice that you have an insurance policy of sorts um, because we've had the Rutgers stuff with Gavin Wimsett. That is apparently kind of – Sounds like they weather the storm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in talking with some people, like UK feels good, but they aren't – you know, they don't know what's going to happen. Um, now, I did hear that a, a commitment video might be in the works. So that should be – that's something to look forward to. That A little, a little Rouse scoop here it appears for to the be, people. Uh, imminent. Uh, whenever I, sh- I, I said that on the radio when TJ was like, dude, you can't just go to saying that. You got to, like, tease it up a little bit. It's like, I don't, I don't know how to share all this stuff. So I'm just going to share the news as I get it. So that's good, especially on the heels where you have Travion Longmire – committing to Kentucky on Friday. And then you have Dan Key release a top 10 that isn't a top 10 that really would get you shaking in your boots. Um, you know, no offense to. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that's when I, that's the first takeaway I had. There wasn't a lot of schools out there that you can, like are obviously a, a better choice than Kentucky. There's no Ohio State. There's no yes. LSU. There's no Snow Alabama. Blue Bloods. Right. You had Oregon, but like, I mean, you know, Kentucky's beating guys for Oregon. That's a long way away. You know, Jared Casey Burton just recently. Yeah. Two guys that grew up liking Oregon. So, uh, and then you had the comments he had about just playing for school. Like that's the kind of stuff that gets to your Gavin Winsets. And I know we talk about momentum in recruiting, uh, but it's, you can't measure it. But look what happened with that official visit that with Bo Allen, Justin Rogers, uh, John Young. Like mm-hmm. when one gets going, the dominoes they kind of start falling. You know, right. a lot of these yeah. guys are just right. looking for some sort of affirmation and confirmation. They like it, but they're not a hundred percent sure. If they, if other guys start jumping on board and they feel like they can get there, then that's that's all they need to hear. Yeah, and the secret in all of this, these top ten. Like, all these teams, they have offensive issues to some extent. Like, there's not a juggernaut offense um, on this list, in my opinion. Like, Oregon still trying to figure out stuff on offense. They got more head now. They think they got to figure it out. Wisconsin's had quarterback issues for forever. Yep. They've kind of had the same issues with Kentucky. Mike Leach and Mississippi State were bad last year. Um, your cousin Jeff, they've had their issues the last couple of years. Right. Virginia, Virginia Tech, South Carolina – Michigan State, yeah, just, yeah, Arkansas has got a Bryles, but you know they weren't great last year. So, you know, I, I the, the top ten makes it feel good, you know. No, it it definitely does, and having just the other Frederick Douglass kids there too. Um, yeah, you have to wonder how big getting Jagger Burton and then Wando Robinson. I think that's going to help a lot, probably in this recruitment. Um, that that they're taking the cell and then. Then he sees if they have if Wando has a good year. Um, so yeah, I, I I I do feel there was there's obviously been wins um for a while uh, about Key how it could be pretty tough for Kentucky to get him. Mm-hmm. But I think some of that process was uh, LSU, um, like a Texas Ohio State maybe getting him in 
and involved. Yeah, with and his top ten. Now these the things can change, but I, as, as we sit right day, today, I think Kentucky should feel pretty pretty good about their chances. Yeah, and another one that we always forget because he's technically Indiana now because he transferred to play ball over there. I guess he lives in Indiana now. Keontae Goodwin yeah. got a lot of good stuff coming from that camp recently, which surprised me. I thought if Kentucky was going to uh, to get there, it was going to be I, – I thought it was going to be, all right, he wants to get recruited by everybody, and then it's kind of a Jagger Burton situation, if you will, where – He's getting recruited by Ohio State and Alabama, and then you get to the road, into the road, the spots start filling up, and then he's like, okay, I'm in on Kentucky. It sounds like he's kind of in on Kentucky now, which, and and that's even as they're talking about visits opening back up uh, farther down Mm -hmm. the road. Yeah, and it was part of the recent coordinator change. You needed um, to have some positivity about the offense, and I think they have that right now, and that um, pays big dividends on the recruiting trail, especially when you hadn't played a game. So you can just sell the future, and there's no real past to worry about. And that's Kentucky under Stoops. They've done that before they ever played a game in 2013. And it, they were able to sell the future, and that that's something um, that they've proven to be pretty good at. And it helps when you can sell the future when there's no real past um, going against you. And that's what they have now. With this. It's a blank slate with this offense. And I, I think that's a huge selling point for this class of 2021. Which you look at some of their targets, it's got a chance to be their best class from a rating ratings perspective. Like it's got a chance to be a legit top 20 class, maybe get close to 15. Mm-hmm. It's it's great. Um, I mean, it, we've talked more about recruiting than anticipated, but you look at some of the four star talent they're recruiting out of Georgia. Michael Williams is a five star. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's Drawn Ellis is the name. I mean, another four-star linebacker from South Georgia. They're hitting it hard, and then you got the the receiver from Michigan that's a four-star. So there's, like you said, a lot of potential. Travion Longmire got things going like it. What do you what do you like about watching Longmire's game? Just uh, his length and speed. Um, those are two traits you really can't coach. Like you want guys that are long. You want guys that are fast. Um, you can't make them any longer. Um, speed is a thing you kind of have it or you don't you can always get guys stronger but he has he has those two I think he could be that typical boundary corner for Kentucky his uh, cornerback tape is limited Uh, it's a lot of receiver running back type stuff uh, Mm -hmm. playing for Corbin Um, but you could see the traits with him Um, he's a guy I'm pretty excited about I think he's going to need some development time right Um, but you could you can see him turning into a big time corner potential NFL draft pick for sure He's got the juice, man. He's got a lot of yep. juice. That's a good word. He, he has juice. Uh, that's a very good word. You can see it in his running style. Um, there's multiple times where he's making people miss in space. Um, there's a couple um, coverage issues or coverage plays where he's really um, he's fluid. He's staying with his guy, um, locks hips, and makes a play on the ball. Um, just a re- really good athlete, um, first off. And, that, that, and then everything builds from off of that. Um, he's going to be a fun guy, I think, for them to get in and coach and kind of grow with him um, because uh, there's a really high ceiling, I think, for him. What um, what else is great about him, too, is he he gets it. In his commitment video, it ends with Tom Leach calling a touchdown pass he had at Kroger Field. I mean, 
just genius. How I mean, that's that's about yeah. as baller a move as you can do. You know, Good branding. What a flex! What an absolute flex! So, uh, Travion Longmire, first in-state commitment for Kentucky, the third overall. Um, in between Caldwell, between all those guys, I think they all are probably anticipated to play defensive back at the next yeah. level. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're kind of quarterback prospects. They're dwindling. There won't be too much more. Speaking of flex, I want to talk about flex, not flex. Yeah, I knew I knew where you're going there. Because Jeremy Flax is basically going to be Kentucky's right tackle, barring something crazy. Uh, Nasir Watkins still isn't back from that injury. Uh, shout out to John Hale for thinking to ask Mark Stoops about that because that's just something. I mean, we've got like two sentences of Stoops on that since it happened. It's kind of <laughs> yeah, because we 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 got lost in the shuffle because he just wasn't playing. It was like, is he hurt? And he's like, yeah, he had season-ending knee injury, uh, knee surgery. And he's like, oh, oh, by the way, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, th- thanks for thanks for sharing. Um, so Watkins is still out, and Watkins, you don't find many players like him who have played. God knows, I mean. Was it 60? I think he's played in 60 games, but he only has one career start. Like he's played it. No, not 60, 38. 38 oh, yeah. career games he's appeared in with one start, and it was his first game. You, that just doesn't happen often. He's been consistently in the rotation throughout his career. Uh, now would be his time to start, but he's injured, and Jeremy Flax is. Uh, Cohen, I think his words were uh, surprised by his athleticism. So good, good to hear. Especially, I, uh, uh, I mean, he was a guy with a ton of potential coming out of junior college. Kentucky won a big recruiting battle over Auburn. Mm-hmm. Like this was what, this was the expectation. Um, maybe have an adjustment year, year one, but then really step in and be a starter and take control of that position. And Cohen called him a cornerstone. Like when you're throwing out the word cornerstone, um, that me, to me, that's pretty good sign. Like they're, they're really comfortable with him at right tackles, what that sounded like to me. And when you, when you think about the two bookends now with Kennard and Flax, that's a lot of power out there on the perimeter, on the edge of the offense. A lot and of power. Half three and guards with Horsey, Fortner, and Dodson. So um, I think, you know, that, that makes you feel pretty good about the offensive line. I think that, that they figured out that position already and that it's a guy with a lot of talent. Yeah. And, to add to that, he got that extra year to break in, and it's not going to count against him if he doesn't want it to. You know, I think he would still have three years <laughs> if yeah, he uses that COVID I, year. I'm still, I'm, I'm still just like when I follow these rosters, I'm just keeping it up with. I'm, I'm, I'm under the impression that a lot of these kids just aren't going to take that extra year. Um, so if they do, they can. But until they announce they do, I think I'm just keeping it as is, like the general um freshman to senior and then the red shirt year if they have it um but we'll see with all that because if if, if somebody it's, it's were a wild, to wild it, west though, out here some some it, it would be a juco kid though you know yeah, Just to, yeah. to get more bang for their buck but uh nevertheless Hoskins. that that was yeah uh could have been seven year phil nevertheless though that was a uh a significant development we also got some tay tay croom shout outs which Stoops Christ, we've gotten that right. Anticipated it kind of going into the spring to hear it actually happen. That's good. That's good. Brandon Eccles, 42 and a half inch vert was reported. Jamie yeah, Davis, good. 42 inch vert. <laughs> Freaks, man. Freaks. But Crooms, 
this is this is he fits the, he has a skill set that they want to see and the fact that he's doing it some of the time in practice is good like that's this is where you need to hear him do a few things and then start to put it together as we get into that that's the trajectory the path you want to see him take absolutely and I, I, like i said i think it's good things um and crooms i think is a guy that they they want to succeed because of the Louisville recruiting. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be a selling point for them. Uh, having guys from there um, that have good careers and end up getting drafted, That's that can be a big, big deal for the program to be able to sell that when they go into Louisville um, and recruit players out of there. Big, big selling point. Uh, speaking of Louisville, over the weekend, we, uh, we did was – one of the the greats from the city of Louisville, uh, I would argue, the most influential football guy to ever in the history of the state of Kentucky. Howard Schnellenberger died at eighty seven. He was an All American at Kentucky after a incredible career at Flagey. Which you want to talk about that Flagey football team? Schnellenberger at end, Paul Horning, mm-hmm. tailbacks. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. And those old Flage guys, nobody's a prouder group than those old Flage guys. They talk about each other like they were God's gift of football. And so their stories are always great. Right. And that's where we get a little bit of a unique perspective on this because most people know Schnellenberger. They might remember him from helping out at the U, like nationally. Nationally, they know him from the U. I think statewide people know them from Louisville, but I we kind of get a different angle of it because Schnellenberger stories are like local for folklore. That's the kind of right. stu- right. stuff that like our dads and uncles, like oh, that time that Howard did blah, 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 blah. So we've got a little bit of that too. And that's what I, I wrote about the, the story of bear Bryant, supposedly bringing in the uh, Bishop to recruit Howard Schnellenberger. Mm-hmm. He was a good Catholic boy. He wasn't going to flip from Indiana. Could, could bring in the governor, could bring in, anybody uh, but you know you, you get a conduit to jesus christ himself with the archbishop <laughs> that's going to change mr schnellenberger's mind uh but those those kind of stories were great and like it I, what i didn't realize is until i saw my old grade school coach posted I, I forgot that he like there was a ton of dudes that played at uofl back around then because he was really just building the roster mm-hmm. you know my grade school coach Played at Louisville for Howard. My high school coach did. Hell, most of my coaches were Schnellenberger guys. My family played for Schnellenberger. It, I'm sure that was the case where you knew a Schnellenberger guy or two that was around whenever you were playing football as well. His foot, his fingerprints are all over the state, and uh, he's just one of the greats that we we got to salute. Yeah. Builder. Is probably his college football legacy more than anything else. He built it, you know, the Miami one, of course. He saved Louisville from the dead. If it wasn't for him, Louisville might not have a football program. Mm-hmm. They might be in the Big East. Bat- they might be one of those Big East teams in the basketball-only conference. Right. And then he did it again at did it Florida Atlantic. And he really had probably two moves he probably shouldn't have made. He went to the USFL instead of staying in Miami. He went to Oklahoma and kind of, instead of staying at Louisville. I think those are probably the two moves he probably um, would take back, but I think it also um, contributes to his legacy that he did um, kind of rebuild, rebuild and revitalize programs at three different spots. Um, 
and just a, it's kind of a, a shame that he can't get like the Hall of Fame has that rule. Yeah, you got to be. It's like a certain winning percentage, and he's right around yeah. five hundred. Yeah, um, and it, and it's also to me it goes back to, you know, Kentucky probably could have hired him a couple times. Yeah, and they, the, and they Mark, didn't. Mark Story mentioned the time that they hired Hal Mummy um, as one of them, which, you know, you can't blame him now. Yeah, um, he was. Um, that he was, was older. Yeah. Yeah, and that was after his he flamed out at Oklahoma, so you couldn't really blame him. And then there was another time, I think it was after they got rid of Fran Kersey, and I'm not sure. I think when Howard. Were, was, what year was Claiborne hired? Because I think they might have they could have got him then. And I think yeah, and so they had two former UK guys, and Claiborne had actually had more success at Maryland at that right. point um, instead of Howard at Miami, uh, which I believe was like '79. Um, I'm looking up when Claiborne. So hell, Freddie could have been a Claiborne because I think Kersey's last year was 79, so 80. Does that sound right? Yeah, I, I was thinking like 82 to 89 was Claiborne's run at Kentucky. Um, I'm pulling it up right now. Okay. Yeah, internet's probably moving a little slow with all the streaming stuff. 82 was when they hired Claiborne. And let's see where Howard was in 82. Yeah, he would have been in Miami at the time, I guess. He probably, I don't know if he did well, a championship. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he he had not won a national title yet. Um, they won it in '83. So yeah, I mean, I don't know if he would have left then, but um, there was some. I I guess that the one time really was only how mummy, um, time. I thought there there were the years might have overlapped there when uh with Claiborne, but but yeah, they um, I guess they could have hired him instead of Curry. That probably would have been yeah. the big one. That would have been the big one, and that would that, have been, they would have had to hire him away from Louisville. At that point, would it have been a great look? I don't know, but I also love the Howard story about you know their Cardinal Stadium, and he brought some big big names into um, that old baseball field. That yeah. was they were an independent. Carpet. They were an yeah. independent, so they had to go out and aggressively schedule. Uh, brought Texas in. I think he brought Penn State in as well. Yep. Um, one Fiesta Bowl at U of L, and the 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 one that that's why he said he left too is because they were going to join a conference and he didn't want to join a conference, and uh, that's at one of the games. College too. football was way different back then with with all that. Now you have to be in a conference pretty much, but back then there was there was freedom with being an independent. Florida State was an independent. They build national Tech. championships. Uh-huh. Miami had run as an independent. Yeah. Um, so there was there was some value in doing that. Um, but the, the games just changed. But yeah, there was there was definitely like the, the year Louisville went to Fiesta Bowl and pulled up all the independents. Louisville, Miami, Florida State, Notre Dame, Penn State, they were all independent. South Carolina independent. Hmm. But, so and that was nineteen ninety. So it was just it was just a different world back then. <laughs> and it was only twenty years ago. Right. <laughs> right. Um but he made that move and that's gonna just i wanted to tell the mick jagger story but you can look it up just look up howard schnellenberger mick jagger very funny yeah. story much better in, told elsewhere in 1993 uh, texas came to rinky dink cardinal stadium muhammad ali was at the game there's a video of uh ali uh, out at midfield before the the coin toss um but they uh <laughs> the oh it's a great segue because today Louisville announced that they're playing a home and home in Georgia. And you were mm-hmm. having a conversation with Eric Crawford, who he's got the Howard Schnellenberger mentality. 
he yeah. wants he wants to do, Louisville to schedule everybody. When we're in the firmly in the camp of Louisville, what are you doing, you idiots? We've lost to Georgia plenty. It's not very fun. Here, here's my. Oh, oh gosh! Oh no, he's breaking up now. Okay. Oh no. Oh, okay, there we go. There you we hear go. me? Yeah, I got you now. Alrighty. So here's my thing with it. Like in college football, there's obviously tiers. You know, there's the the lead of the lead, which is Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama teams that are consistently competing for national championships. And everywhere else, teams are trying to kind of fill in the gaps in between them and collect wins and build, build stability so they can potentially take a run um, at people. Um, as a program, especially when you're like at middle of the road in a conference, um, which is where kind of where Louisville, Kentucky, really where everybody is um, outside of a, a handful of teams. Right. You, you have to be smart about how you build it because – um, stability and consistently winning over time does more for you than anything else. Um, does more for recruiting. Does more for all that. Um, like, like, like. Let's just talk for Kentucky for standpoint. Like, if Kentucky, Kentucky now has built stability in their Mark Stoops, they're winning seven, eight games a year. They're competing in the conference. If they want to go out and schedule another non-conference game, they should do it. But it should not be against Clemson. <laughs> like, they should be. They should go out and schedule. Virginia Tech, yeah, um, and Oklahoma State. Like Louisville this year schedules Ole Miss, and that that's know, fine. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. That's fine. I think it's silly to play Ole Miss and UCF, <laughs> but in the same offseason. But I right. think that that is fine. It'd be but, Kentucky playing West Virginia. Any team that you could potentially match up with in like a bowl game, yeah. like. But going out and um, going out. And that's you control three games a year. You have your eight conference games, your plus one with your rival. You have three games that you control, and they you're going out and just uh, saying, like, let's go play a national championship contender, a team that's uh, one or two or three in the recruiting rankings every year. And under your control, that's what you're doing. That that's reckless to me. That's just reckless. You should not be doing that. And Louisville's in a situation to me where I sit where they it's they should be trying to build stability. That's what they used to have and it's gone away here. Um with how Petrino imploded. Mm-hmm. Like they need to be like let's go to let's get to 7 8 wins a year. Let's keep going to bowl games and let's keep rolling forward. Rolling forward. Let's not litter our schedule with, the, with what their schedule is now. It's littered with tough non-conference opponents. They aren't in the Big East anymore. They don't yes. need they don't, you don't need the schedule like that either. No. You're right. That's how you're not you, that's in conference a, USA trying to bring in Florida right. State. Like that was their one big game a year, dude. You play Clemson every year. What are you? Where, where, right. You already got right. one of these games. Like mm-hmm. it's just it's so stupid. And particularly it's a mid-major look, mindset. When you look at their ACC record in the last four years, I'm sure it's below 500 or right around there. And that's with the ACC being terrible. Like that Satterfield when he got Coach of the Year, the ACC was horrific. And they ex- exceeded expectations. They took advantage of that. Well, the ACC is going to get back to normal. Water always finds its level. And they have to worry about winning there. So bankroll some wins and get up some steam. And I just, I, I haven't seen a lot of like a Louisville, like it's mostly just me arguing with TJ because he's firmly in the camp that play all the fun teams. It's like, it's not fun getting your ass kicked by Georgia. Been there, done that. Now it might be fun going to uh, a, a, a one of these different stadiums 
like I, I would make an exception for Notre Dame just because Notre Dame has some sort of air about it. Um, because you know they do that a, in the ACC though already. Exactly. So you don't you don't need you just it's it's unnecessary and it's really setting up their next coach for failure because Satterfield, if he's still here in 26, 27, that'll be a death sentence. 19 and 22 is our ACC record the last five years. Yeah, like it's it, what, 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 are you, what are you doing? What are you doing, U of L? You've already you've had plenty of fun. Like the Auburn, the Auburn game at Chick Fil A, you did that once, and you had Lamar Jackson, and you just got your yeah. Uh, but you don't know like they you were gonna have Lamar Jackson when you yeah, scheduled that game, and they still got their floor clean with them though. Like I just I I'm all I'm all good with the scheduling, like being aggressive, but do it scheduling it like a. Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, as anybody else but a legit kind of contender, I think it's kind of reckless scheduling. And I think Louisville, they've got to get back to a point um, where they, they can build some stability. And scheduling like that is not going to give you any stability. Yeah, you may have a good year um, one time. You may upset somebody. But if you keep scheduling like that, you're going to have years where you go two and two, maybe one and three in the non-con. Well, I think part of the reason why they really have a good season I think one of the reasons they went back to it though was just because they, uh, they like they had this they had a Georgia scheduled previously. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was wondering. I after I tweeted that stuff out this morning, I forgot that they had that, and then something happened. It was probably that. like twenty two, maybe was the year they had it scheduled for. Um, but Georgia, they bought out that game. I'm not really sure why. Um, but I mean, this our, our discussion right now is why Nebraska was trying to get out of that Oklahoma game they have this year. Now that's mm-hmm. a different ball part. Like it's the same that, thing we're talking about, right? Right here. Right. Yeah, like they want to do it. That's why they want to, but they can't because a they're Nebraska. They they're it's it's they're, they're trying to re it's like it's the anniversary of like 17 college football mm-hmm. game of the centuries. We have so many games of the century. They, the sports writers were really not very creative with their tags back in the day. Yeah. But, and, and and also like Nebraska, you've talked a lot of shit. Go back it up. So you can't you can't get out of this now. But that that's what they need to do. That's what Purdue. It ticks me off. Purdue schedule. I get you might have to play Notre Dame every once in a while. Plus they got nine year. conference games too. Yeah, like they, they they not only do they have Notre Dame this year, they have another really good out of conference game. And I'm like, dude, are you it's trying like to get Jeff fired? Yeah, it it makes no sense. It's like guys. Yeah. Um, freaking break. Like I wanted to wrap, like bring this back to Kentucky. Um, I think eventually Kentucky's in a point where they should probably try to schedule someone down the road, but I get why they don't want to do that. Um, but I think we are getting to a point in football where you kind of have to. Yeah, it's but when but when the time comes, Nick, I want them to schedule like an Iowa. I don't want them to schedule mm-hmm. Clemson. Yeah. You know, I like play. Be smart in how you or do it. Ohio State. Just because you recruit against them sometimes doesn't mean you need to play them. Like no, right? Yeah. I just I don't think I think it's silly to play um, those teams. Yeah, it's. it's I had somebody ask me. Uh, one of my friends asked me this morning. He's like, "What is what is better from a recruiting standpoint? Um, winning, um, you know, set, winning those games against uh, nobodies, or um, getting a, getting in a stage to play like." somebody in like a, a big power in a recruiting fertile area. And I said, you know, winning over time is always going to have a long, more long-term value. Like you well, can all, you, you can sell, Hey, we're doing this. We're doing that. We're going to this bowl. We're going to that bowl. 
we're, it's not like you're not playing anybody marquee on your schedule. Like, yeah. You're in a power conference, so you're going to be in big games. You're playing rivalry games you're going to play every year. You're playing Georgia, Florida, Tennessee every year right now. Right. And then if you have – my selling point was like you should schedule those wins so then when you have a good team while you're building a program, they can have a great year because they're going to have those wins. And then you can have a year like um, Kentucky had um, in 20 – 2018 where they can go and play they play a brand name in a bowl game and get a big bowl win see and that that's my overall thing that i think trumps all of this conversation is that your marquee game should be your bowl game and to get there you need to bank some wins you just do and the bowl games get we've talked about before you get so much artificial momentum from winning a bowl game like i i don't remember who won the the kickoff classic last year but if you got a bowl win, like like Tennessee, for example, they play. They lost a cow in one of those weird uh, games one year. It wasn't the the season before last. But if let's say that that was the team, that's the generic Power Five team that they lost to at the beginning of the season. Because I know they had one of them. I forget exactly what it was, but let's say that was the team they lost to in their kickoff classic. Well, nobody cares when you beat Indiana in the Gator Bowl. Everybody had Tennessee as the flavor of the month. You get so much more from playing in a marquee bowl game than you do from playing in one of these things at the beginning of the year because there's a lot of them happening. And the ratings aren't as near as crazy as the bowl game ratings. And to top it all off, Luckett, the the recruiting bump you get from all of this is all from the bowl game. And you can't reach those, those those highest of highs if you don't get that extra garbage win. If let, Let's just say that Louisville team in 2026 when they play Georgia, let's say they are good. Let's say they're Kentucky 2018 good, or let's say they're Lamar Jackson good, where you're at like a 10-win season. That could keep you out of the playoff first week of the year. Yeah. Like it, you, you could, your, your playoff conversation could be over. Uh, uh, there was a team this year. Was it Notre Dame who lost early? And we just completely forgot about it because they won 10 straight. Uh, I think they lost somebody good. Am I right about that? No, Notre Dame ran the, ran the table. Who? Um, but but there's been years in the past, like the Sam Darnold USC team lost the game or two early and totally took them out of the playoff hunt. Penn State with Saquon lost a game or two early, totally took them out of the playoff hunt. And then, you know, we just forget about them. But you're right. Like to make the playoff, like you don't need to be playing uh, these games. Nobody cares who you beat unless – uh, I mean, we care to an extent, but most of this pissing contest is all about being undefeated or anything anyway. So I, I get that that's taking it to a different stratosphere, but it, it matters in the New Year's Six stuff. Kentucky beats Florida, and yet Florida's ranked higher than them with the same record in the New Year's Six. They get the New Year's Six Bowl. That's a million-dollar difference. And mm-hmm. it didn't matter because it was at the beginning of the year and people forgot. Like, Yeah, um, I think you make a good point on the bowl games. Because um, you hear some analysts say they don't like evaluating the bowl games because they are they're so like such a one off and they're so different and odd, which is true I think. But there's still a lot of value in those games. Mm-hmm. Fans take a lot of put a lot of stock in them. Though that what happens in those games builds storylines that last the entire off season, um, and they they can be a huge selling point um, to recruiting classes. So those are big games, and they're, they're a chance for you when you have – if you consistently have creating wins, it's going to get you in better bowl games, which, it's you know, it's a has longer-lasting impact. But I do wonder, with all the playoff expanding, 
bowl games are losing relevance. Um, so it makes me wonder, like, do we have to go, do we have to, you know, do you need to schedule more marquee opponents, I guess, in the, the regular season, which is, you know, we're in flux right now, but, but there's, there's a difference with my thing is there's a difference between aggressive scheduling and reckless scheduling going out, yeah. going out and scheduling a, 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 a national title contender that has um, a top three roster yearly in college football when you have to play Clemson already, it's just silly. Like if Kentucky went out and scheduled Clemson or Ohio state, I would be pretty upset. Like, this is stupid. What are we doing? But you know what? Thankfully, Stoops isn't stupid. We're rolling with the action for a while. I do hope that we'll get that Iowa game eventually just to get the alma mater rolling. Yeah, there is there is some there is something they could do. Like, I don't want to play Cincinnati. I think that would be silly. But Michigan State or Iowa, that that could be fun. Or playing like a Big 12 team in Atlanta maybe for a neutral site one year. Um, that that could be fun, but like Duke playing Alabama a couple years ago in that kickoff yeah, classic, that was, that was like what like what are we doing here? <laughs> this is stupid. <laughs> stupid, so dumb, so dumb. But uh, we'll we'll see. There's plenty of time to unfold. Meanwhile, but, mark your calendars for two losses in 2026 and 2027. For but Louisville. credit, but credit Louisville when they if if it ever happens, Georgia comes to Cardinal Stadium. That that'll be a fun day. Um, it'll be a fun week leading into it. Hopefully, if they have a competent team. But you also have that. What if they don't have a competent team? What if the team stinks that year? And they get lucky and beat Georgia yeah. on their day. Like Georgia gets on probation for cheating, which. Or no, I'm just talking about Louisville. What if, like, Louisville's not any good? Like, it's a four and eight team. And it's like, oh, we, we'll host Georgia. Oh, yay. Let's go watch us get our <laughs> teeth kicked in. Seriously. So it, it, it's a double edged sword there for sure. But mm-hmm. but Louisville, yeah. I just, I think that they didn't be worry, worried about building stability. They've got all that weird stuff going on with Satterfield and. Going out and scheduling Georgia at this time, just it's a head scratcher, but to each his own. Yep, to each his own. Well, they're about to start running at Pro Day. Like it, I kind of want to watch it. So let's get out of yep. here. Let's do it. Um, follow along everything on KSR. You probably already know the results by the time this podcast is released, but we appreciate y'all joining and talk a little ball with us this week. Enjoy. Your Easter weekend. Enjoy a uh, Final Four. Maybe it's not so ugly. Enjoy the Sweet 16 Finals. We'll have plenty of coverage of that as well on KSR. And as always, go Cats and go Kroger. <laughs>